The following is a hoop ball presentation. Hello and welcome back to the Sports Ethos Atlanta Hawks Team Coverage Podcast, formerly known as Hoop Ball Hawks. We cover everything regarding the Atlanta Hawks. I'm here with Brad Harden, recording live from Atlanta, Georgia. This is post game. Hawks are not going to go 82 and 0. They fall tonight at the State Farm Arena, 126-109 to the Charlotte Hornets to end the three-game home stand. It was a very disappointing effort tonight. After starting 2 and 0, this was certainly a game that you have to win this divisional game, division rival, and these games count. And even though it's October basketball, which a lot of casual NBA fans or sports fans say, oh, I'm not going to watch NBA basketball in October. They play games in October, so they matter. And I'm not saying that the Hawks took that approach tonight, but certainly did not have the same energy as the first two games. Certainly, that was not the case. Charlotte did not have LaMelo Ball or Terry Rozier, and you let up 126 points at home. I repeat, no LaMelo Ball, no Scary Terry, 126 points scored on you at home. It's rough. It is rough. Um, And they had opportunities to claw back into the game. But just flat out, the Hornets outcompeted them. The Hornets look like a team that was certainly motivated to beat this Hawks team. As I said the last episode, the Hawks ended the Hornets season last year in the play-in by routing them at home. They seemed like a team that did not forget that. There are a lot of players from last year's team that are on this current Hornets roster, and they certainly played with energy, effort. They competed. They... (laughs) They played with a sense of urgency that the Hawks just did not possess after the first quarter. They just did not match their energy or surpass the energy of the Charlotte Hornets. And I said, the mistakes that you made against the Rockets and the Magic, you can't get away with against the Hornets. That's a team with some vets. That's a team with a veteran coach, a team that knows you very well. You can't do the same things that you did against younger opponents, against this team. And it cost them. It truly cost them. Truly disappointing game. But again, it's only the third game of the season. There are going to be good games. There are going to be bad games. And this was a bad game. And I'm not going to come up here and say that we lost a trade when we trade away Herter. Um, We were stupid not to keep Gallo. Nate McMillan needs to be fired. We suck. I'm not here to do that. I'm not going to overreact to the third game of the NBA season in October. But certainly there were some red flags and the Hornets exploited some things that could be considered weaknesses of the Atlanta Hawks that need to be addressed. And as I said, the Hawks ran into a team that is not young, that's not inexperienced. Charlotte took advantage of the Hawks' mistakes, poor shooting all night long, And going into the game, I said last episode, this is a team that 
may not be the best defensively, but this team knows how to score. They scored over 112 points in all three of their games now. This is a team that can score the basketball. So we were going to be challenged defensively, and we did not meet that challenge. After the first quarter where the Hornets struggled offensively, and the Hawks looked really good, and I even tweeted it. When Trey Young got his third foul in the first quarter, that was the turning point. The Hawks were in a rhythm. They had some continuity. Trey Young had nine points at that point. And he and Murray were truly the engine that was getting this team going offensively. And they looked like they were going to have big nights. And Trey Young still scored a lot of points. And DeJounte Murray's had a good offensive game. But certainly they were going to lead this team to their third straight win and start the year 3-0. and But after that third foul, they took him out. They had to start playing some players off the bench sooner than Nate McMillan wanted, and Trey Young had to sit an extended period of time not to get that fourth foul. The Hornets took advantage of it, and in the second quarter on, they were hot from the floor. I think at one point after the first quarter, they shot like 60% from the floor and over 50% from three after how they started. And it seemed like they took all the offensive success from the Hawks and then the Hawks struggled the rest of the way shooting the ball. They couldn't buy a basket after that. And there was poor ball movement for the Hawks today. And the team assist numbers were down. The Hawks did not force turnovers and get in the fast break like they did in the previous games. They did not shoot well from three. They got out-rebounded. They were out-rebounding the Hornets by 10 after the first quarter. By halftime, that margin was, I want to say, either tied or they had a one rebound margin, and then they ended up getting out-rebounded by eight or nine to end the game. They didn't play team basketball. They got out-hustled. They didn't match the energy for the Hornets or surpass that energy. They flat-out got out-competed tonight. That is pretty much the the episode. They just got out-competed. And I hoped when they came out of halftime, they had an elevated sense of urgency, played with more energy, effort, communicated better had a better connectivity on both ends of the floor, but they just did not. Even though they struggled in the second quarter, they were able to claw back towards the end of that second quarter and get it down to four points going into halftime. But then after the half, the Hornets kept shooting well, the Hawks shooting well, woes continued, and the lead swelled to 20 points, and the Hornets pretty much never looked back, even though there were moments where they could come back. They made runs, but... Lack of stops here and there, bad shots here and there, missed threes, missed opportunities. And the next thing you know, the lead's back to 17, 18. And that's pretty much where it stayed for the remainder of the second half. Everybody offensively struggled for the Hawks. Everyone. John Collins and DeAndre Hunter came back to reality after their great starts the first two games. Uh, Even though Trey Young was scoring points, Hasn't been really efficient from the floor scoring to start off the year. And that certainly continued tonight. Uh, DeJounte Murray had a solid game offensively, but did not have the same effect as he did in the first few games defensively. The first two games, he seemed to be the tone setter defensively. And I just did not see that tonight. And everyone has an off night. Um, You can't be perfect every single night. 
And that I'm going to come back to that point as far as no one's perfect every single night angle. Um, but certainly energy and effort is something that you cannot blame on the coaching staff. You can get them up to play, but the players still have to play. Now, coaches still have to make adjustments, and I think there were adjustments made, but I just think that the hot shooting was just too much to overcome, and the Hawks dug themselves too deep of a hole that they just could not get out of tonight. I mean, even though Clint Capella had his best offensive game this year, I thought he and Okongu were not crisp defensively. They got out, competed on the glass, and... They did not do a great job of putting bodies on people as far as rebounding. Uh, they let Richards and Plumlee kill them all night. They let P.J. Washington, who was a stretch four five for the Hornets, uh, get all the jump shots and threes that he wants. Uh, and tonight was a night where, I mean, even though the first two games I still said we missed bogey, and certainly could have used them tonight off the bench to provide a spark. And I know we want to talk about people who are going to look at the holiday, uh, well, the holiday trade, because obviously Harkless is no longer on his team, and say we miss Herter and we miss Gallo because they provided almost instant offense off the bench. And yes, we missed them tonight. Uh, certainly offensively we struggled, but offensively we've been pretty good for the last couple of years in the top five and offensive efficiency. So the focus was this off season to improve defensively, which is why you make the trades that you do. And certainly this is all a work in progress. People are not going to be patient for it. And I implore you to be patient because Rome was not built in one day. Rome was not built in one day. The Warriors franchise and the Bulls franchise, those took years to develop. And it took a culmination of great personnel decision, great player development, some luck, hard work, blood, sweat, tears, adversity that made those teams championship teams. It does not happen because of one acquisition, one offseason. It takes time. And even though I was really excited from the first two games, I said, is it sustainable? Can they continue this? And I said, only time will tell. It took one game for them to regress to the, I'm not going to say the mean, because I don't think this is going to be the average Hawks basketball that is played. But certainly, there's some things this Hawks team certainly need to work on and some weaknesses to this team going forward that need to be addressed. Uh, I'm going to go over the numbers real quick after this plug. Okay, listeners, it's time to talk a little fantasy hoops. Now, I don't know about you. I'm in several fantasy leagues, and every fantasy league that you are in, you have a rival. Pokemon, Ash Ketchum had Gary, and I know you have your Gary out there. So it's time to beat Gary and get the insight that you need to take your stuff to the next level and win a fantasy basketball championship. Do you remember who led you to Tyrese Halliburton, DeJounte Murray, Terry Rozier, and Mikhail Bridges before any other rank list? I know which one. It's the Brewskies 150. 
And you probably turn those huge wins into some cash. Or a fantasy basketball championship. This year, the Brewski 150 is on sale for a limited time. And Ethos 360 subscribers can get access in less than a week. Head to sportsethos.com and click on the premium tab to grab membership information or the draft guide today. And yes, to answer your most important question, the Brewski 150 is included in both options. Check back daily for more new features and go dominate your leagues. Beat Gary with the help of Sports Ethos. All right, and we are back. Now time to dive into the numbers. Hornets finished 52% from the floor shooting tonight and 42% from three. They out-rebounded the Hawks by seven, had 29 team assists compared to 22 team assists for the Hawks. The Hawks had 12 turnovers tonight. They forced 14 and scored 18 points off those turnovers, but did not have as many fast break points tonight as they did in the previous two games. It was really balanced scoring attack tonight, and that's a tribute to the ball movement of the Hornets and the lack thereof of ball movement as far as on part of the Atlanta Hawks. Calubre was the leading scorer, had 24 points on 9 of 20 shooting from the floor, shot 3 of 6 from the 3, had 9 rebounds and 1 steal. Nick Richards was the unsung hero truly for the Hornets. He had 20 points, 9 of 9 from the floor, 11 rebounds and 2 blocks. Dennis Smith Jr. had a really good game starting in place of Terry Rozier. He scored 18 points on 8 of 16 shooting from the floor. Had 6 assists, 3 steals and 1 block. P.J. Washington and Gordon Hayward both had 12 points apiece. Book Knight had 10 points. So as we saw, that is what, three, four, five, six players in double digits for the Hornets and 29 team assists. That is great ball movement. That is great team basketball. The Hawks did not match that energy and that execution offensively. Uh, the Hawks' leading scorer was Trey Young with 28 points, but he had those 28 points on 25 shot attempts, only made nine shots from the floor, nine of 25 shooting from the floor for Trey Young. His inefficiency shooting the ball and his struggles shooting the ball continue uh, this early, and he can certainly turn it, away, turn it around. So I'm not waving a red flag on him, but three games, you're outside of him going off in that second half last game against the Magic. I thought that was going to carry over this game, and it looked like it was going to carry over as he had nine quick first quarter points but his time off the floor I felt like he came back on and felt like he had to press especially when things were not working for the team and shots were not falling down and he felt like he had to press and it ultimately did not help the team uh, he was two of eight from three eight of nine from the free throw line he continues to shoot well from the free throw line there he's only missed one free throw attempt this year nine assists one turnover that's great but in a game like this, this is what you would consider empty stats uh, and five rebounds for Trey Young. So the numbers, when you don't look at the, like, look between the lines as far as his shooting percentages, uh, you were like, wow, that's a good game. But certainly 
pressing a lot and felt like he needed to press a lot. And certainly he had to because this team as a whole struggled offensively. Uh, DeJounte Murray had a solid game, 19 points on 7 of 15 shooting from the floor. He was 50% from three, hit all of his free throw attempts, three for three. He had eight rebounds, five assists, but only one steal and one block. So was not the defensive menace that he was the previous two games. Uh, as I said before, Capella had his best offensive night, 14 points of six of eight shooting from the floor, 10 rebounds, one dime, one block, and one steal. And like I said, offensively, he really helped the Hawks, especially in that second and third quarter, uh, just making shots around the rim and competing on the glass. But as a team, when you get out-rebounded, it it seemed like, honestly, it was either him or Collins by himself, by themselves, sorry, rebounding. And then Murray would come in and get boards to try to push the pace, but we have to do better team rebounding. We have to do better team rebounding. DeAndre Hunter has been better rebounding this year. He had six rebounds tonight, but struggled from the field shooting. He was 4 of 11 from the floor and 1 of 5 from 3. He ended with 10 points. And to go along with those 10 points and six rebounds, he had four assists and one steal. John Collins struggled mightily from the floor as well. He had 10 points as well. 3 of 12 shooting from the floor, 0 of 7 from 3. And at one point I was like, you got to stop shooting threes. Like they were giving it to him. So I understand him taking that shot and you know that he can make threes. We know that. We know John Collins can shoot the three ball really well. And that's something that he has gotten better at year after year after year, but was really wanting him to see to put the ball on the floor more and get to the rim and finish around the rim and try to get himself to the free throw line because he's been shooting free throws really well to start the year. Uh, I hate when we just relegate John Collins to just catch and shoot. He's so much more than that. And that is on, you know, all parties involved. That's on your guards who are trying to set you up. That's on the coaching staff. That's on John Collins. We can't just relegate John Collins to catch and shoot, even though he can make threes. He's not our best three-point shooter. Even though he is one of our better three-point shooters on this team, that's not all that he is. We need for him to be aggressive and attack the rim as well. And that's something that needs to improve from him and DeAndre Hunter next game. Even though they got their shooting attempts from the floor, just wasn't an efficient night. And I don't think they took the right shots. And I don't think we did a good enough job of giving them the ball in their spots where they can get easy, clean looks to execute and really help this team instead of hinder this team. Uh, because, you know, when you shoot a lot of threes and you're missing a lot of threes, that long rebound is like the first pass on the transition for the other team. And the Hornets were definitely taking advantage of that all night long. And that's a veteran team for the most part that certainly we just could not get away with being inefficient from the floor like we were from three the first two games. Even though we were pretty good from three-point line against the Magic, that happened later. And it seemed like there was little on the basket to start that game as well. So I said this to begin the season. We are going to be streaky as a three-point shooting team. Like we are just going to be streaky because we don't have a team full of just shooters. 
We have people who can shoot the three, but it does not mean we are a great three-point shooting team. I mean, it is it is what it is at this point. Um, even when we lost Gallo, I mean, when we had Gallo and Herter, it's, we still weren't a just a great three-point shooting team. So it is what it is. I mean, tonight we shot 23% from three. We we have we have to find ways to get better looks and cleaner looks from three. And the thing was, we did. We had looks from three that were clean. We just got to execute, and that comes down to you know what's between the ears and what sets can you draw up and a whole bunch of things offensively that just lack tonight. As I said before, Okongwu struggled defensively in my opinion tonight. Uh, did score ten points. He was four or six shooting from the floor. Had five rebounds. A one. One steal and two blocks. A.J. Griffin made his NBA debut tonight. He scored eight points. His first basket was a made three-pointer, which was so fitting. Surprise, surprise. Uh, but welcome to the NBA, A.J. Griffin. It's great to have you on the Hawks. Uh, he was probably one of our most efficient scorers tonight outside of Okongwu and Capella. As I said, eight points, three of four shooting from the floor, two of three from three. And I will continue to say this. He's our best shooter on his team from three. He's our best shooter. He is. He was north of 44% at Duke last year. And I don't see anything in his shot in his game that make me makes me think that he's going to not be north of 38% from three in his career in the NBA. There's nothing that I see that's making me think that at all. And I liked what I saw tonight. And people are clamoring for him to get on the floor more, and rightfully so. We need three-point shooting, and he's our best three-point shooter. We have to get him on the floor. But I will have to challenge you in this, Hawks fans. We are not in the facility. We are not at practice. We don't see what they do day in and day out because ultimately, if you're going to get on the floor, it comes down to gaining the trust of your teammates, gaining the trust of this coaching staff, that they can use you in spots where they know you're going to go out there and execute. He's young. He needs to learn how to play defense in the NBA, learn this offensive structure, this offensive system, work on spacing, continuity. And that comes with reps and minutes, so he does need minutes. But you have to do the right things in practice so that you earn the trust, especially because you know Neighbor Millen doesn't play rookies. So you're going to have to work your tail off in practice and do the right things in the facility to warrant yourself getting on the court. And Justin Holiday has struggled shooting the ball early in this season. He's going to be streaky. He's a career 36, 37% three-point shooter. So certainly he's going to be streaky. That's who A.J. Griffin needs to gun for as far as if he's going to get minutes he has to outplay Justin Holiday. Right now, Justin Holiday is a vet who is a better defender at this point of his career than A.J. Griffin. And A.J. Griffin was not bad defensively tonight, but certainly if you're not, if you don't have the intangibles to be a great defender in the NBA, and I'm not saying that A.J. Griffin does not have the intangibles of being great as far as defensively in the NBA, but certainly defense is a mindset. It's about execution, and it's about experience. I mean, the more you see certain players, certain offenses, certain schemes, you're going to pick it up, and it's going to help you get in position better defensively. 
which means you're going to execute better on the defensive end. And again, that comes with getting minutes. So he's going to have to outperform Justin Holiday in practice day to day and capitalize on opportunities when he gets his minutes for Naaman Mellon to feel comfortable and say, you know what, I need him on the floor. Because I'm going to be real. Jalen Johnson, it's been a struggle. It's been a struggle. And I know a lot of you were clamoring for him to get on the floor last year. I know with his athleticism, I mean, it. I, I, I am with you there. I'm with you there. He's an athletic kid. And he has a really bright upside. But there are just some things that he needs to get better at. And spacing and continuity and defense and continuing to work on his outside shot. Those are things that he has to get better at. AJ Griffin has some of those things already. So it's going to be interesting to see what Millen does on his road trip as far as minutes off the bench and making sure he's putting together lineups that are not going to allow this offense to stall and they're still going to get stops defensively. So you can either maintain leads, cut into leads and, not suddenly bleed out like they were tonight in stretches. So that's something that I'm going to continue to watch and monitor is the, the development of A.J. Griffin. But my takeaways from tonight, not a lot of positives. Weaknesses were exploited by the Hornets. And we talked about last episode, are, are the Hawks for real defensively? But we learned tonight they are not quite there yet. I mean, there's good nights and bad nights, but certainly this was a bad night. I mean, 126 points given up on your home floor to a team that is missing arguably two of their best scores is bad. That is bad. Um, Mike Longenbardi, the assistant coach for the Hawks, who is more defensive-minded, said at halftime they have to play the whole possession defensively. And there were times where they would play 20, 19, 20, 21 seconds defensively and in the last three seconds it's where boom um a backdoor a backdoor cut led to an easy opportunity for the hornets or missed shot yeah you you stopped them defensively long rebound the hornets get it second chance opportunity then they hit a three or they get a put back they have to play the whole possession the whole 24 seconds defensively each possession that needs to be instilled in them and that is a mindset that is a mindset and a process like Nate McMillan has talked about. You can't blame Nate McMillan on that. That is on players and on execution. I'm going to call it how I see it. Uh, the lack of three-point shooting and floor spacing at times. And if your guys are not hitting threes, it's going to make things harder on Trey Young and DeJounte Murray to try to make things happen outside of their own scoring and production. So we're going to have to execute shooting threes in hell. It's going to be good nights and bad nights behind the three-point line. But certainly, when you have a clean look from three, you got to capitalize on it. People are killing the Lakers right now, not executing in jump shots and threes. And we're not as bad as the Lakers, but certainly we don't, we don't want to get to that point. So we're going to have to execute shooting the ball a lot better. We're going to have to try to set the tone better. Set the tone dictate the pace, dictate the flow of the game. I felt like the Hawks did that the first quarter, but once Trey Young went out, it flipped. The Hornets started dictating the pace and the tone of the game, and it led to their success. They like to play faster. 
get up and down the court and score a lot of points. The game tonight, even though the, the Hawks can score, they're not built like they were offensively last year. So they need to kind of slow down the pace and they let the pace get out of hand in favor of the Hornets and they let the Hawks to press and put up shots to try to keep up and they don't have the three-point shooters to do that. So certainly we need to do a better job of setting the tone, being the aggressors and dictating the pace of games because as you saw tonight when we don't, it leads to bad shots, turnovers and lack of of attention to detail, and then we don't rebound as well. We're not moving the ball as well. We're pressing. We are out of our element, and we got out of our element tonight. And I want to say this to fans. No one is perfect. No team is going to play perfect. Fans are naturally impatient. People are naturally impatient. We are in a very, we're in a time where people are just very, very impatient, quick to blame, and it's about recency. They focus on what happened recently, so they're going to blame that. And they're going to blame the lame ducks or the scapegoats. They're going to blame Damon Mellon. They're going to blame this player for missing a shot. This player for not executing. And we have to remind ourselves, this is the third game of the season. And there are some new pieces on this team. It's going to take time to build. And people are quick to get upset. And I have to say this. It's an 82-game season. Every game counts, yes, but you're never going to, if you never lose games, if you never lose games bad, if you never make mistakes, you're never going to learn things. You're never going to face adversity so you know how to overcome it. You're never going to harden yourself as a team and develop because the Hawks have the ability to be a really tough team. They did not look tough tonight. They did not. They looked meek, timid. They didn't have that energy, that effort, that dog mentality they had in the first two games. They went against some vets. That's what happens. If you're never going to go against adversity, you're never going to be forced to address things and fix things and make changes. So tonight was a wake-up call for sure. We're not going to go 82-0. Again, I'm sorry. We're not going to go 82-0. We're not going to have the number one defense. We're not going to have the number one offense. We're not going to be number one in steals, rebounds. Uh, we're not going to play lottery teams every single night. We're going to have to bring it, no matter who we're playing, four quarters every single night. And the Hawks are still searching for a four-quarter performance. I mean, we saw it in the preseason. That's preseason in the, in the Bucks games. We saw four-quarter performances. That is preseason. We didn't see a four-quarter performance in the preseason against the Cavaliers or the Pelicans. In the first game against the Rockets, we did not see that. We didn't see that against the Magic. But they battled, they played with energy and effort, they played defense, they moved the ball, and that's what won them games. When they went up against adversity, they kind of got away from what was leading them to wins coming into tonight. And when you go against adversity, you have to revert back to the things that got you to winning. You're going to have to do that. And hopefully going on the road will help focus his team and instill a sense of urgency that will bring out the competitive nature that they need to to win games and bring out the energy that they need and set the pace and set the tone of games so that it's in their favor and they're not playing on other teams' terms. We did not do that tonight, but the good news is that you get another opportunity to right your wrongs. After tonight, the Hawks will go on a five-game road trip. The next game is on Wednesday night in Detroit. 
And they will actually play a back-to-back -back in Detroit. And right now, Detroit is one and two. They're a young team, a lottery team. You got to win those two games. The Hawks must win those two games. It's going to be like, since they played Detroit Wednesday night in Detroit and then Friday night in Detroit, it's like the beginning of a seven-game series on the road. You're... You're the lower seed. You have to go out and you got to play your best basketball on the road in a potentially hostile environment. I'm not saying Detroit's going to be a hostile environment, but that's a young, exciting team. And I'm sure that they know basketball in Michigan. They're going to be there. They're going to be there. They're going to support that team. And they're going to be kind of a ruckus crowd, I think. So you're going to have to bring that sense of urgency. The Hawks must bring it because this is a young team that's athletic as well. They're getting their feet wet in the NBA. They have to learn how to win games. And even though you can make mistakes against younger teams and still win games, we saw that in the first two games, we have to get away from that mindset. We have to go out and play our best basketball. Because we learned tonight, when you go against teams with some experience, and this is not a team that's highly talented in the Hornets. This is a, a veteran coach with some vets on the team. When you go against them, those tricks and stuff like that and that lack lack of attention to detail, you can't get away with that. That's a hard lesson for the Hawks to learn tonight. These next two games is going to be about executing, bringing that energy as you play, like I said, a young athletic team like the Magic and the Rockets, and you have to strive to play your best basketball before you your schedule stiffens. And then after you play Detroit, those two games, you're going to go on the road again and take on the Milwaukee Bucks, who was a top four team in the Eastern Conference. And you had success against them in the preseason, but the Bucks will certainly have that in mind. And I'm sure they're going to come out and bring it and protect their home court. You played in Abu Dhabi. It was a neutral site. You're going to be in enemy territory going to Milwaukee. So you're going to have to continue to reestablish your good habits in these two games against Detroit and then bring that energy and that execution and that level of focus to Milwaukee and see what you can do against the top four team in the Eastern Conference. After they take on the Milwaukee Bucks, they're going to round out the road trip going up to the six and taking on the Toronto Raptors. You already know how tough of a team that is up there. Nick Nurse has that team playing well. They always play well. And they're going to be a tough out. They're the wild card in the Eastern Conference. And as I said, coming into the season, we have to win the season series against the Toronto Raptors. You have to. So that's a very important game, too. And then, obviously, your rivals in the New York Knicks and Madison Square Garden. This is a tough road trip. People may look at the Pistons and shrug it off. But certainly, that's a young team with some talent. We have to bring it. We have to bring it. You know you got to bring it against the Milwaukee Bucks. You know how Toronto is. And you know the defense that the New York Knicks plays. And they are playing well to start the year. Even though their record may not show it, that's a tough out. Every game is a tough out in the NBA. The honeymoon phase for this team is coming to an end. As competition stiffens, you're going to have to play better basketball than you did tonight. You're going to have to play better defense. You're going to have to move the ball. You're going to have to have even shot distribution, even scoring. You're going to play with energy. you got to play with effort. And you got to play with that grit that is Atlanta Hawks basketball, which is why, again, the, these matchups, these next two games on the road against the Detroit Pistons, are very, very important. Get Griffin some minutes. Get back into an offensive rhythm. Get some shots to fall. Focus on rebounding. Refocus on rebounding. 
executing, limiting your turnovers, playing defense, communicating on defense, having that connectivity, and then dictating the pace of the game. Those are the things I want to see going forward on this road trip. Us against the world, Atlanta against the world. Let's see how they respond. Naaman Millen challenged them after the first game to rebound. They answered that call the second game against the Magic. I don't know what the challenges were coming into the night, but whatever they were, I'm not in the locker room, not a fly on the wall. I'm going to guess and say that they fell short of that because they lost the game the way they did. Let's see what Naaman Millen challenges his team with. You have a travel day and you have a, a day rest before you take on the Pistons on Wednesday night. No excuses. Go out there and play your best basketball these next two games. And let's build something this road trip so that you can get that loss from tonight out of your mouth, that bad taste out of your mouth, and then continue to win game after game after game early in the season to make things easier on the back end. So, guys, if you love what you heard today, give us five stars. Give us a good review. Share it and tell everybody about the hottest new podcast covering the Atlanta Hawks. You know the drill. Share with fellow Hawks fans, NBA basketball fans, Georgia sports fans, regular basketball fans. It does not matter. If they want to learn about the Hawks, put them on to me. Put them on the Twitter as well. Follow us on Twitter at Ethos Hawks on Twitter. That is at Ethos Hawks on Twitter. Follow myself on Twitter at Brad Jarrett67. That is Brad J-A-R-R-E-T-T-6-7. I know there's some new listeners as the new season comes along. I want to thank you guys for coming on. Um, I have to get off the pulpit. You know, I have to try to be altruistic, but also specific as far as what the Hawks need to improve on. And I think they will improve on. I'm an optimist. At the end of the day, I'm a realist, but I like to be optimistic because I don't like to be a negative Nancy. That's not who I am. That's never who I will be. So I'm optimistic. They're going to make the changes and it's going to come. We have to be patient. And luckily, we have to patiently wait for the next game on Wednesday, which we will be back. And I guarantee the Hawks will turn it around on Wednesday. So we'll catch you guys then. You have a great start to your week.